When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 25% off Alliant Naturals. Site-wide, any supplement you can think of just for the Keeping It Real listeners. All you have to do is go to alliannaturals.com, pick out anything, anything you want from multi-collagen peptides to organic grain superfood powders, pre and probiotics, krill oil, you name it. We got you covered or they got you covered. You just enter the code JILL, J-I-L-L, 25, JILL25 at checkout, and you will get 25% off your entire order of anything in the store site lot. So check it out. All right, my beautiful babies. The fitness app has a free trial. I want you to check it out. If you've got the meal tracker app, the food planning app, the running app, the yoga app, the meditation app, the breathwork app, Stop. Right now, stop the insanity because the fitness app is a one-stop shop. It's got it all, guys. It customizes your meal plans based on your food preferences and your personal health goals. It customizes your workouts based on where you want to train, your fitness level, your fitness goals, whether you're in the gym, at home, outside. You have a baby coming in. It's prenatal fitness. You want to get crazy with Ryan Clarenbach and do his beast mode program. From yoga to kickboxing, we have you covered. There are meditations in the app. There's sleep support with Jim Donovan, self-care with Jamie McFadden. Free trial. Just go to the app store, whether you're on Android, Google Play, the Apple iTunes store. It's there for you. Download it. Give it a try. I think you're going to love it. Welcome to Keeping It Real Conversations with Jillian Michaels. All right, friends. At long last, we have Harvard geneticist, biologist, longevity genius, the guy, David Sinclair, on the show. Thank God. My goodness, it took a long time <laughs> to get this guy. He's busy hanging out with uh, Bill Gates and solving all the world's problems, I swear. Um, so you guys have heard me talk about this guy. He's he's the guy. He's the guru when it comes to longevity um, and I, I go full blown geek out on this. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, <laughs> I come unglued. I, I have read his book, Lifespan, 
I've watched every one of his YouTube podcasts on the book Lifespan, and I'm going to recommend you do that now because I try to squeeze all of it into the show and I realize it's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to be like, wait, they touched on, hold on, he talked about hair loss. Wait, hold on, he takes what? And it's like, literally, there's a reason this guy wrote a book. He has a second book, Lifespan 2, coming out later this year second season of the Lifespan podcast coming out later this year. So I suggest bring yourself up to speed. Um, You're going to love it. We're going to highlight all the cool, fascinating, new and interesting stuff on our podcast uh, with Dr. Sinclair. And I'm going to clarify Dr. Sinclair, PhD doctor. He's not a medical doctor. Um, He's a PhD. And that's it. We're we're not going to expand too much. I'm going to jump right in because This is a show packed with information. So if you want to live forever, by the way, this guy is like literally going to solve the problem of dying. I think, Cindy, no one's going (laughs) to die in 20 years. What are we going to, who's going to die anymore with this guy? And that's fine as long as we don't get sick too. (laughs) But but your cells won't get sick anymore. They're going to stop your cells from getting sick soon. I'll take it. It's crazy. If you guys think I'm full of shit, wait until you hear this. And one last caveat, guys. You're going to hear me ask David Sinclair if he does own that. I'm referring to the new diet trend called one meal a day. No, I don't recommend it, but just listen. So with no further ado, here's Dr. David Sinclair. Doc, how the hell are you, man? Uh, Well, I'm I'm feeling great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And I'm a monster devotee of yours. I've already like laid all of this on you. Everybody knows this. I talk about you all the time. You have so much going on. I I have so many questions for you that I I want to jump right in here. Lifespan one, the first book with the second book coming out later this year was an absolute game changer for the world of longevity, aging, and maybe one day not dying. You say aging is a disease and we can fight this disease. So Can you explain this to me? Because it's a disease that we all have, though, which is kind of confusing, right? Because not everybody gets cancer. Not everybody has Tay-Sachs. But if aging is a disease, why do we all have it? What does that mean? Well, the first thing to recognize is that uh, just because aging is natural and that most of us get it if we live long enough doesn't mean that it's any less important that we should avoid studying it and we should just ignore it. Uh, That's... Step one. Step two is to realize that aging is the driver of most of the things that kill us. Heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes. These are all the end products of the same process that we call aging. And we used to think that aging was caused by different things, that the heart would age differently than the brain. That's not true. In fact, we've shown over the years in my lab and others like our lab uh, have shown that aging has a universal cause and that we can combat it with uh, therapies. And so that's why I'm saying aging is a disease and it's a treatable one. And once you have that mindset, things really change. Um, And just because it's common doesn't mean we should treat it as something any different than less common diseases. Doc, when you say aging has a cause, we've all heard these terms thrown around, like the telomeres and epigenome and zombie cells. If we were to just really boil this down for a second, 
What is the cause? Is you've talked about the information theory of aging. Is that it? What is what is this exact kind of in, in a nutshell? Yeah. Well, so aging at the end state is very different, right? Diabetes is high blood sugar and Alzheimer's is brain malfunctioning. So at the end stage, think you know, it looks very different. But if you go back in time and look at what the origins are, you can find things that go wrong in common in these tissues. Cells stop dividing, become zombie cells, and they're called senescent cells. Mitochondria, the energy power packs of the cell, decline their activity. Stems lose their activity. We lose our ability to respond to sugar and energy. So these are what we call the hallmarks of aging because we see them commonly in other species and in various tissues. But what I've looked for is, is there something that drives all of those hallmarks? What might cause all of those to happen? Right. And that's the information theory of aging. Um, and it's in my book, Lifespan. Uh, if you haven't read it, uh, please do, because it's it explains all of this. What we think is going on is that fundamentally what happens is we're born with information from our parents, the DNA, the genome, and then there's this other aspect called the epigenome. And the epigenome are the control systems that say which gene should be on and off. That's important because a brain cell has the same genome as a liver cell and a skin cell, but it's very different, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if we didn't have the epigenome telling cells which genes to turn on, we'd be a giant ball of tumorous cells. We'd all be you know, one blob of cells. That's not what we want. So the epigenome says, this is how, you, how to be a, a healthy brain cell. And what we've seen is the loss of that epigenetic information the readers of the DNA is what largely goes wrong during aging. Now, uh, what that means is that it might be able to be reset. And, you know, let's talk about that later. I do want to make clear, though, that this information theory of aging is still being debated in the scientific literature and among my colleagues. So I can't yet say, yeah, it's the predominant theory. But I can say that a lot of scientists are excited about it and our recent papers uh, on it have been met with a lot of enthusiasm. But there are detractors. There are people who are saying, no, it's mutations in DNA that cause aging and other things. So, you know, like all science, we welcome debate. And I think it's going to be a healthy debate over the next few years. Based on all the papers you've put out, the evidence behind, I mean, you're the guy behind resveratrol. And that was years ago, right? Like, you're the guy. So, of course, everyone's going to come after you because you are the guy. You're the king of the hill. Right. And I, I just want to say, well, I, well, I appreciate your humility there. You are the guy to be to guy to try to take down because you're the most knowledgeable. You are the most successful in the space. And I mean, the, your research has been lauded everywhere from Rogan to every news station across the globe. Um, so so with that said, I, I want to understand how the epigenome can be impacted by us because there's you've proven the science behind that that's that's inarguable correct and you've proven that we can impact how our epigenome functions for better and for worse am i am i unless i'm wrong no you're 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 not wrong and and that part of it is is agreed upon that the epigenome changes with age and that we can slow those changes down. And the way you live your lifestyle, you, you're doing a great job. Most people 
don't do the right things. The good news is that there are just a few things we can change about our lifestyle that can add up to 15 years of healthy life uh, if we don't do them. And they seem to be working largely by slowing down changes to the epigenome. So we want to stabilize that information. So our cells know how to behave later in life. That's what it's about. The clock, epigenetic clock, as we call it, that we can measure um, in the lab. We can do this pretty easily. A high school student can do it. We measure those changes. And that clock is ticking from conception, actually. And the clock goes very fast when we're babies. And then it stops. Uh, it slows down when we're teenagers. But it's ticking uh, at the same rate pretty much every day. But it also can be altered by how you live. So right. you can slow the ticking by doing the right thing. So exercise, uh, not eating all the time, being a little bit hungry sometimes. Um, some molecules that we found, like resveratrol, can seemingly affect that process. And, uh, and there are even medicines that we think can slow aging that are already on the market, just being used for different diseases. So that all fits. I think no, no scientist would argue with me about that. It's just been a shock to the field that we just published a big paper on uh, epigenetic changes, uh, the loss of epigenetic information as a cause of aging in mammals. Um, I have had some, 99% like is super positive feedback. This is remarkable kind of stuff. And then there's the 1% of, I'm going to kill you, Sinclair. So I've, <laughs> I'm dealing with that currently. But Doc, if they weren't talking, you wouldn't be doing the right thing. That's uh, that's how you know you're doing the right thing. I wanna I wanna actually go all the way back to the beginning of this, and break down each one of those, ending on the I'm gonna kill you, Sinclair, because I'm not even familiar with that one fully yet. The food, um, you you have had the greatest impact on me, along with Dr. William Lee and the changes I've made to my diet. So, you talk about calorie restriction up to thirty percent. You talk about fasting intervals. Um, you talk about not eating too many amino acids. I, I want to back this up because there's a lot of room for interpretation here, Doc. So, are you are you vegan? Are you veg? Are you lacto ovo? Are you a pescatarian? Because I've seen you kind of talk about mostly plant based, a little bit of fish. How plant proteins stress the body just enough, but you get just enough amino acids. Like, where am I here? First of all, on the macronutrients. And mm -hmm. animal protein, Where, what is, in your opinion, the best way forward with longevity? Good question. And so here's the question. Here's the, the best answer is uh, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and vegan are very similar in their effects on mortality rate, which is a measure of how likely you are to die in your old age. And... Um, vegan and vegetarian are vying for the best. Uh, different studies show different things. Mediterranean is, is Mediterranean's a close third. Um, and I've evolved my diet over the years. So if you've seen me talk 10 years ago, I was um, not working out a lot. I was a slightly pudgy. I had to carry a little bit of weight. I uh, wasn't super lean. And I was eating uh, meat on occasion and mostly fish. Uh, and I really didn't like vegetables. That was me 10 years ago. Uh, and I was eating three meals a day, uh, largely trying to skip breakfast if I could. Um, that was my life. So I've evolved. Now, let me tell you, a year ago, I was eating a mostly plant-based, some meat, a lot of cheese, and a lot of red wine. 
So what happened is I'm, I'm met someone who's become a, a friend. Um, Serena Poon is a nutritionist and she's a vegan and she was on my case. She said, David, you can't eat cheese every night. You can't eat, drink red wine. It's affecting your memory. Try this, go vegan, stop the dairy, stop the alcohol and just see what happens. And, uh, I had just had a bender with, uh, with Bill Gates and his friends. And it was, <laughs> it was horrific. I, I couldn't remember much of the night. And she said, look, you got to change your lifestyle. So I, uh, I did it. And, uh, you know, I measure my blood biochemistry all the time, every few months, really. And I wanted to see if it would have a benefit and I'm pretty healthy anyway. And my blood biochemistry, you know, was saying that I was about seven to eight years younger, which is great for me. Uh, but I went on this vegan diet, mostly vegan. I'm struggling and I, I don't always behave. Sometimes I have alcohol, sometimes I have milk, but mostly I have in the morning a coconut based yogurt, a little few spoons of it, not much. And, uh, you know, I do my best. Occasionally I'll drink, you know, some champagne if it's a big celebration. But what I found even within the first four weeks was a dramatic improvement in my, my calculated age. So I went down to even less than 10 years, uh, my age, I found that my inflammation in the body went down dramatically. Uh, my cholesterol levels improved. So I've stuck with it as best I could, uh, over the last uh, year, uh, I'm keeping off the weight. Uh, my inflammation is down and I feel great. My memory, that's the biggest change. Uh, I can now remember dates, numbers, uh, whereas before it was, a, it was a blank. And so I, I, I've, I'm sticking with it. Now I know that a lot of people struggle with veganism because it's hard, especially if you go to a restaurant, there are not a lot of choices, but just try to try to aim for a plant focused diet. If you can, you know, I, I appreciate that some people work out a lot and especially weight, weight lifters, they want to build up muscle, yeah. but I still think that, that there are ways to be mostly plant-based. There are some very successful weight lifters, bodybuilders who do mostly plant-based. Um, so, you know, I think everybody's different. That's why I don't say one thing fits all, but I do think if the most bang for the buck for longevity is to limit meat as much as you can. Okay. So I was going to ask doc, is the mechanism of these changes in your opinion, because you've incorporated more plants, so you're getting the fiber, the phytonutrients, or is it because you've limited the excess amino acids, which I wanted to ask you about with regard in particular to, if you could explain mTOR and autophagy to us, sure. because I've had the same fight with bodybuilders who are like, you can never get too much protein. And I, and I tend to think, well, it depends on what the goal is, right? If the goal is longevity, you, the science says you can get way too much protein. If the goal is getting bigger and bigger, then arguably not. That's not, you know, of my personal interest. So drilling back down again, excess amino acids, why would that arguably impact longevity or getting too much animal protein? How, what's the mechanism of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is something that we and others uh, have figured out over the last 20 years is that there are genes that respond to our environment. And the way to think of this every time you have a meal is you want to put your body uh, more often than not in a perceived adversity state. Okay. You don't need to have adversity. You don't need to be starving. You don't need to be running marathons every day. That's overdoing it. But what you want to do is to make your body 
perceive adversity. And that's in opposition to what most people do with their diet, and that's perceived abundance. Right. So what, what is that about? Now, these genes that control longevity, we know that they get turned on, they respond to these adversity signals, and that they make animals live longer, and probably us as well. And there are three main, uh, what we call pathways, three main sets of genes that respond to the environment. There are the sirtuins that require NAD, and NAD is a hot topic in the longevity world. That's our work. And so sirtuins respond to heat and cold and exercise and diet. So that they're major players in longevity. Um, another one is AMPK, which responds to energy and how much sugar you're taking in. And then the third one uh, is one that you mentioned that's critical for longevity called mTOR, little m, capital T-O-R. And it's designed, and it's in every species, including plants, it's designed to register how much protein you're getting. And it senses certain amino acids, such as what are called branch chain amino acids. Uh, leucine is one, valine, isoleucine. And what it does is it, it can tell the body when it's got enough protein to grow versus when it's got enough protein or amino acids, uh, not enough to be able to grow. And so it's, it's a growth phase versus a hunker down phase. And we, we know that uh, always being in the growth phase, the abundance mode, so to speak, um, is great because uh, you get you know a lot of uh, big muscles, but we know from studying animals um, and even from elderly people that that state, if it's always on, uh, will not give you longevity, right? Right. Because the body needs to have time to rest and recycle and turn on defenses against aging. The, the reason the body does this is when times are good, it doesn't care about your body. It just cares about reproduction and growth. So really what you're telling the body is to hell with longevity. Let's just breed. Let's just grow and breed. And you know, that, that makes you look good, makes you feel good in the short right. run. But at it the seems so counterintuitive. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, I feel robust. I feel virile. I, I'm so buff. I'm so strong. And you would think that that would mean you were super, super healthy, which is where I, I think there's this cultural disconnect and then you start to explain that it's are the opposite where you're slightly stressed mm. and doc that's called hormesis right i just want to make sure i'm for these these periods of stress okay yeah. so now we're in this period of hunkering down but that makes us live longer because right. we're adapting to the stress or yeah there are things that the body does to survive when times seem to be tough and what mTOR does is when it doesn't have enough of these branch chain amino acids, which by the way, uh, is more akin to a, a plant-based diet. If you eat a lot of meat, you got loads of branch chain amino acids. So your body doesn't care about survival. So that's why plants are good in, in many ways. They're also good because they have these phytochemicals, these uh, polyphenols like resveratrol that give the body perceived adversity as well. And what mTOR does in part, in large part, is to recycle proteins because they, the body needs to break down protein to be able to substitute for these lack of amino acids. And it's called autophagy. And the body has a variety of ways of getting rid of proteins. Um, there's micro, there's macro, uh, but the bottom line is that this autophagy is, is think of it like the recycling center for, for, for proteins. And the good news is that 
the body doesn't recycle just uh, any type of protein. It recycles the old and damaged proteins first. Makes sense, right? And so yep. it's a clearinghouse for old junk in the body, this autophagy, and you get fresh protein made. Um, and so you can measure something like albumin in the blood. And if you have a lot of fresh, new, abundant albumin, which is the most abundant protein in our bloodstream, it's a sign of youthfulness. And as you get older, you have this lack of albumin and it's old and crusty and covered in sugar. That's bad. And so I measure my albumin levels as a way of determining if I'm on track for longevity um, and stimulating that mTOR recycling autophagy program is one way to do that. How much protein doc, like, or, or are you saying as long as you are predominantly plant-based, you're okay. Um, because what happens if you get, I've tried it just cause I am an animal lover. I've tried it. Right. And I'll get anemic. And I know you can say, well, Jillian, you know, you should be smarter and get more plant-based iron and combine it with, you know, vitamin C this, that I might don't heal as well. Is there arguably like a sweet spot? There, there is, there is that. So for someone like yourself who needs uh, meat, what, has been shown in animal studies is that uh, you can pulse it. So have times you could have a day of the week where you eat a big meaty meal, but then have a few more days or even another six days of not eating meat. And just what's wor the worst thing you can do is trickle in the sugar and trickle in the meat. Right? It's better to have a big bang of, of energy and protein and then have a few days of quote unquote rest in the, in mouse studies that have been done now many times, it's been found that if you give them a lot of meat or a lot of uh, carbohydrate or a lot of fat, um, as their main diet, they all live roughly around the same length, uh, give or take, you know, a little bit, but what actually matters is giving them a rest from that food during the day. Um, and so it's not just about what you eat. It's when you eat. Right. Okay. So with mTOR in particular, to make it clean up more of these zombie cells, which create more zombie cells from what I, what I read in lifespan, it's like they send out these inflammatory proteins and then they tell other proteins to die and it becomes this kind of vicious cycle, right? The snowballing effect. So autophagy cleans up the dead stuff and that's less animal protein and eating less food. But then I saw you recently talk about going OMAD and I was just like, how? I, dog, every day, it is a struggle for me to get to the 16 hour window and I am dirty fasting with or, or organic fat. How are you doing it? Cause you don't have, you're, you know, you're a fit guy. Are you doing OMAD? Like how much are you eating now? Well, my goal is OMAD. Uh, I oh. wouldn't say that I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm successful <laughs> every day. I hope no. not. I guess then I would have to be like, I'm going to kill you Sinclair, just out of sheer jealousy of your willpower. Like how do you not well, feel there, it? There are, there are some hacks that help. I'm really lazy and I love food. So if I can do it really, I think anybody can. It, so I substitute uh, food for water and juices and a lot of tea. Uh, I'm constantly drinking and we do need a lot of water as well. We find that longevity okay. has probably helped with uh, keeping our kidneys working. 
But here's the thing. You don't have to be a monk to make this work. For at least a few days a week, you can try to go till late afternoon without eating much. You could okay. nibble on a few nuts. You could have a few spoons of yogurt in the morning, which I do. But, I, you know, I try to keep myself busy. I'm filling up my stomach with tea. Uh, I pretty much always have a warm tea or a matcha with me. It's amazing. I do um, cappuccinos or lattes with uh, almond milk. It's it's really, it's I got to have that in the morning. Um, coffee is still good. It's also healthy. If you like coffee, that's no problem. Um, I would say stop drinking caffeinated beverages early afternoon. You do need to get a good night's sleep, and that's part of longevity as well. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, Doc, would you... I've seen you talk about differing strategies with regard to intermittent fasting. So you just mentioned like, okay, a few days a week, try to get to noon. Five days a month, should we do a 36 hour fast? I I saw like the five day. I mean, do you like a 36 hour to get like deep into autophagy or is it really like, Hey guys, just, you know, chill out, eat less food and let's take baby steps. Yes. Baby Got steps it. is the key. Really, uh, I've never gone for more than 24, 48 hours with, without food. Uh, I just can't do those mega fasts. Ugh. I wish I could because they do do very deep cleansing of the protein. The autophagy gets activated. Um, what's called chaperone-mediated autophagy, the super deep clean. But I, I'm existing on just trying to get through a day without eating two of the meals. So it's now at my time, uh, middle of the day, I haven't eaten anything um, yet. Uh, I've had a lot of tea, but Jillian, it it actually is not so bad. Once you wake your liver up, so your liver makes sugar that stops hunger. Okay. And uh, once your liver realizes that sometimes you won't have food, it'll make sugar right now. My body's making a lot of sugar and I don't feel hungry at all. I don't have brain fog. I'm not thinking about anything else but work. Um, and my brain is super active. But it, but it does take a couple of weeks for your body to adjust. Okay. We have to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about uh, all of these supplements. NAD, resveratrol, fisetin, um, metformin. And now I'm hearing microdosing lithium. Not from you. Hearing it in the zeitgeist, want your opinion. So, um, guys, stick with us. Quick break for the sponsors, and we will be right back with the one and only Dr. David Sinclair. All right, team, you know, I love Skims underwear because I've mentioned them and have been wearing them for, gosh, a little over a year now. So, I finally had to try their bras, and Skims has delivered yet again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. Even the underwire bras I wear all day are so comfortable, I barely even notice I'm wearing them. Whether it's the weightless scoop bra, the fits everybody bra, the plunge bra, uh, the fits everybody t-shirt bra, I always get them in sand. So you never notice them. Super comfortable. Love them. Wear them nonstop all the time. Shop Skims bras at skims.com. 
now. Available in 62 sizes, 38 of 46H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows. Your business was going great, but now your team is buried in manual work. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025, one. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Jillian. That's netsuite.com slash Jillian to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash Jillian. All right, we are back with Dr. David Sinclair. And um, Doc, they've heard me talk about my supplement regimen, which in uh, a now large portion of it is what I believe your supplement regimen to be. And I have heard you talk about everything from spermidine to NMN to quercetin, fisetin, metformin. Some are drugs that you had mentioned. Some are plants. Like, let's, first of all, can you tell me what you're taking and why? Maybe we should start with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I take, uh, I'll tell you in a second. The reason that I take them is because I'm trying to trick my body into thinking times are tough, this adversity mode. And all of them uh, are, are doing that, um, as far as we know, and they're all based on science. Some of them haven't been fully proven in clinical trials, so that's a disclaimer. And I'm also not a doctor. Um, and so this is what I do. And I'm an MD, PhD, to be clear. I'm, I'm a PhD. Like, I'm yeah, not a PhD. physician, uh, though I know a lot of physicians. Um, <laughs> and I have been uh, doing this research for over 25 years now. So I know a little bit about what these molecules do to animals and humans. And so Just what a I little do bit. Is yeah. I make... <laughs> I make judgment calls about risk reward. So if a molecule is super safe, doesn't cost much money, is very unlikely to do me any long-term harm and has a, let's say a 10% chance of making me live longer, uh, I'll take it. I'll measure my body. I'll see how I respond. I'll see if it makes me better in terms of health. And if it does, I'll just keep taking it. And that's my scientific method. Um, In the meantime, I'm doing clinical trials with some of the molecules we've discovered to slow aging in animals. And those are ongoing, and I have insight into that more than most people, uh, and I like to make my decisions based on that. Um, I also want to know if any of these molecules are dangerous, and so I'm doing research on that, and I want to be the first person to know, of course, uh, and I would tell everybody if I saw something that was worrying, especially in human trials. So with all that said, what do I do? Well, um, I take a a symphony of supplements, um, and because I'm... But I, I change things one by one to see what happens to me. I'm not just taking a mouthful of things and hoping for the best. That's not what I would recommend anybody do. 
you've got to build a dashboard of your, for your body. There are ways to have blood tests. Um, Inside Tracker is a company that I advise, for example, but there are others. Um, and there are there are DNA age testing companies. Um, I'm about to release a test that's coming out on the market, and you can have a cheek swab, and it'll tell you how your epigenome is doing compared to your peers, and then how advise on how to slow that rate down and maybe reverse it. Wow, that's incredible. So you need to measure. You can't optimize what you don't measure. And I work with some of the world's top athletes and industry leaders uh, to, to help them. It's very individualized. So you have to measure yourself to know what works. So what, where do I start? Well, there's, there's some basics. I've been taking a gram of resveratrol every morning for the last decade, at least. Right. Um, actually, since my early 30s. So I'm now 53. So it's a long, long while. My father has two. My father is uh, on a similar uh, regimen by choice. I'm not experimenting on my dad, if you're wondering. <laughs> He's a scientist. He can make his own decisions. He's a big boy at 83. Got it. Um, and although he's exactly 30 years ahead of me, so he's he's at the forefront of this. Uh, I can may, maybe make some extrapolations on what it'll be like for me when I reach 83 based on this. Um, and so what we start with is the resveratrol. Then we also take a gram of NMN, which is a precursor molecule to NAD, which is required for the sirtuin defenses in our bodies. So these are the genes we've, we've worked on. The longevity from. genes you've talked about, you've mentioned earlier on the show. Correct. And we have seven of these genes and they, the proteins that they make all require NAD and our bodies seem to make less NAD as we get older. And you can boost those NAD levels by exercising, by fasting, um, but also you can take supplements. And we know this for a fact in human studies, that if you take a gram of resveratrol every day, uh, you will raise your blood NAD levels. And the idea, the hope is that this is allowing our bodies to fight against aging. Um, and what's happening to the body is it thinks that you've run a marathon or it thinks that you've been fasting when you really haven't. And that's why when we give NMN to mice, they run further without having exercised. Because the body is adapting to that stimulus that doesn't actually exist, but the adaptations are still arguably occurring. It's a, it's a, it's a hack. It is. Essentially. Doc, can you explain something to me? And I've heard you explain it, but I still am having a hard time. There's NAD, right? And it's this molecule and it's awesome. And when we're young, we have a ton of it, as you mentioned. But we're taking NMN to boost NAD. But then some people take nicotinamide ribosidome. I can't even <laughs> pronounce it. NR. NR. Yes. Yes. And then other people are taking an NAD drip. And you have said, we don't know if that works, or at least the last I, I heard you comment on it, you were like, yeah, we're not sure. So of these three, which are all arguably supposed to put you in the same spot, why do you take NMN to get your NAD levels up? Uh, well, it's, it's because um, I know more about it. It's been part of clinical trials that I've been witnessing. And um, when we give it, I decided to take NMN instead of NR when I was young, going back 10 years ago, at least, um, because it was doing better things to mice than NR, uh, such as endurance. Um, so it was a guess that NMN was going to be superior. We didn't know. We hadn't done clinical trials in those days. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not here to debate which is better. It's quite uh, an acrimonious uh, 
Oh. world out there, there's a lot of fights seemingly between academics and also companies. It's a big business now. I see. Yes, I, I literally okay. have not made any money off this. Uh, a lot of companies use my name. I want to be clear that I haven't sold NMN ever. Um, some of my colleagues have. And, uh, you know, and then it, it's a messy world. But scientifically, which is the only way I speak about these things, um, we don't know which is better. Uh, what I can tell you is NR is made from vitamin B3 or niacin, and then NR is converted to NMN, and then NMN is converted to NAD. Um, so if you take NR, your body needs to find what's called phosphate to add to it to make NMN. And phosphate's an important molecule in the body. It's part of bones and DNA. Uh, so that's one reason I think NMN might oh. work better. Is that I understand. It's you don't already... want it pulling phosphate to try to. Yep. I thank you. Now I understand. I really understand now. And why would you not just take NAD? Is it just because there's no research behind taking it straight NAD? And if yeah. so, why are they taking it intravenously? What makes that everybody think that that's the new? And they're giving it at gyms, which just seems like so yeah. totally crazy to me. Who's administering that to people? Yeah. Well, so far, as far as I know, nobody's been hurt. Um, there is very little research on this at, in a placebo-controlled study. I think somebody should do that. I just I haven't got the time or the resources myself right. to do it. W what I understand is that it was first tried on um, on addicts. Uh, I think these were um, alcoholics, and it was found to be helpful. And it grew from there and is now, like you say, very popular. Uh, I, I've been to hotels where they've offered it to me, not knowing who I am. And uh, I, I have tried it a couple of times. That's amazing. That you must have just died inside. Okay. That's uh, funny. It's like when I go I to the gym and they ask me if I want to hire a trainer, I'm like, no, I got it. <laughs> uh, I'm good. Uh, I'll yeah. be all right. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Okay. So the thing with NA drips is I don't see – I haven't seen any evidence of harm. Uh, I also haven't seen any proof that it does anything. Uh, and we need to know that. Now, theoretically, it could help. Raising NAD levels is good for mitochondria and energy. It's good for the sirtuin activity. And I've tried it twice and I, I felt fine. I might have felt a little bit better the next few days, but that's just, it's not, that's not science. Right. Um, okay. But yeah, it's a different mode. If you think about it, what I'm doing is I'm taking a pill every day, pills that raise my NAD levels up to a certain level, which is similar to a 20-year-old. Um, whereas so that's what you're checking in the blood. When you say, check your blood, I was going to say, well, when you take resveratrol, what marker are you checking? You're checking NAD levels. Right. I see. To be clear, I don't check my NAD levels regularly, but... I'm taking the dose that is in the clinical trials that's been published to raise NAD levels by about twofold. Got it. And, okay. Uh, but the, the drip is different. Drip gives you a a few hours of super high levels of NAD in your bloodstream. And that's going to have different effects than having my levels always elevated, um, but not to as much of an extent. And we just really don't know what the difference is right now. You know, if, if people find that it, helps them and they feel better, you know, I'm not going to step in and say, don't do it. I'm just going to say, I just don't, I can't say as a scientist that there's any proof of it helping.
Right. Yeah. I understand. Okay. Fisetin, quercetin, spermidine, berberine, still take all of those and still the same concept as resveratrol. And what about one supplement that has them all? Can you do that? Is there some that are more important than others? Definitely NMN, obviously. Definitely resveratrol. Yeah. Um, but then with all these other ones, you still take them each individually? I've recently switched. Okay. So if, if you read page 304, go to page 304 of my book in the English version, uh, you'll see the list of things that I take on my daily regimen. Um, and that includes metformin, which is the diabetes drug, which is thought to be lifespan prolonging. Uh, but it's currently, it requires a prescription. Um, so you need to talk to your doctor about that. You can give them copies of my book or the papers that are cited within. And I've heard that seems to help convince physicians that it's worth a try. Um, the other thing that's important to know is that uh, we, we try, or I try to take molecules that are produced by plants when they're stressed out. These are the, the xenohermetic molecules or xenohermesis right. sometimes. They're called xenohermesis means from other species giving hormesis. And you mentioned hormesis. This is the term that whatever doesn't kill you makes you live longer. This adversity, uh, mimetic mimicry. Okay, so what is a xenohermetin? So plants make these molecules when they get stressed out, when they don't get enough water or they don't get enough sunlight or too much sunlight um, or they get attacked by bugs. These are plants that typically would be in your backyard versus in a greenhouse. These plants have a lot more of these molecules. They are typically um, really small molecules of the family called polyphenols. And a phenol is just a ring of carbon. Um, so these are ring structures. They look a bit like um, chicken wire, uh, small bits of chicken wire. And what we think is going on is that when we eat them, the plants or the supplements, the body gets the signal that our food supply could be running out. And that's another reason to hunker down and turn on mTOR and sirtuins and AMPK. Can you explain why metformin? Why are you taking this? And, and is there any downside of taking it as a healthy human? Like not a diabetic. Right. Well, there are always risks with any molecule. Um, and this is a drug. Uh, it's a derivative of a plant molecule uh, from a small plant called the French lilac. Um, and there are, are some risks. You can have what's called lactic acidosis. Your stomach might start to uh, make too much lactate. Um, and you might feel a bit sick. So about 40% of people have a stomach upset it's usually mitigated by having a coating on the pill um, or taking it in small capsules or taking it with some food. Um, and your doctor will help you with that, of course. Um, the, so you really wanna be you know, under doctor supervision if you take this. That said, it's one of the safest drugs that are on the market um, and it's taken by hundreds of millions of people. And it's also on the list of the World Health Organization's essential medicines for humanity. So again, the risk reward, the one in a thousand people or so can have a serious reaction. So you have to be careful. On the other hand, all drugs have some potential side effects. So you go into it with wide open eyes and you talk to your doctor about it and make sure your doctor knows everything else you're taking so that they can judge whether this is safe for you. Most people, for most people, it is safe. 
Does it make you stop producing something? The answer is no. When you stop taking metformin, your body goes back to its original state. And the way it works is it's inhibiting uh, AMP kinase. Uh, no, I take it back. It, it's inhibiting mitochondrial function. So mitochondria are the energy power packs right. of the cell. Got it. And what happens when you inhibit that reaction in the mitochondria is the body senses that it's not getting enough sugar or not, not making enough energy. And it, the response is to make more mitochondria. It's called mitochondrial biogenesis. Biogenesis. I and Okay. I understand. I, we just interviewed um, Dr. Molly Malouf about mito, her book on mitochondrial biogenesis and how important that is. So this aids in that process, essentially. Yeah, it's similar to fasting and exercise. That's how the body responds. And so metformin is a mimic of that. But what convinces me to take metformin uh, is that when you study type 2 diabetics, uh, they actually live longer than people that don't have type 2 diabetes. That's a striking result. With metabolic disease, they live longer than people who don't have metabolic. And there's only one obvious answer, and that would be the metformin. Right, right. And in general, when you look at large groups of people, those people who are at risk of cancer, heart disease, and frailty, when they take metformin, they have much less incidence of those diseases. I'm noticing a huge crisis in men 30 to 60 with testosterone levels. And these guys are, what's even scarier is that a lot of them are fit. They work out, they're fit, they eat well, and they all want to supplement testosterone. And I'm giving them the whole like, okay, you know, we got to lift the big muscle groups and we got to get the morning sunlight and we got to get, but should they supplement this? Because everyone thinks that this is the fountain of youth, these hormone replacements, but you've said, you know, that Whenever the body is like, oh, awesome, right? We're so strong, everything's great, that it's counterintuitive to living a long time. And then there's all the side effects associated with it. But I, you know, I would say they talk to their doctor, obviously, about all that stuff. What do you think? I've tried most things. Uh, and that includes rubbing testosterone on my forearms to see what would happen. And I did it for maybe a month. Uh, what I found was that I could raise my testosterone levels far better through natural means. So I don't do that. I don't take testosterone. I haven't for years. Uh, what I have found is that there are a few tricks to getting testosterone levels up. And I do think that that there is a lot more uh, talk about low testosterone levels. And I, I, I can suspect that it, it might be because people are measuring it more often. Okay. Um, and I think people, everywhere. Men are admitting to their deficiencies more. Okay. Um, in the bedroom. And there are also, you know, we're putting laptops on our laps and yep. that's heating up the testicles. Uh, I don't know for sure, but maybe the, the, um, makes the perfect sense. coming out uh, damages sperm. There's some science that says that that could be a problem, the radiation. Um, I put my laptop when I can remember on a, on a mat that protects my uh, gonads from heat and radiation yeah. for that reason. Of course. Yeah. So that's, that's, a uh, that's good advice. <laughs> and the tight jeans don't help either, which is now fashionable. So all of that's not good. So what can you do? Um, well, so what, what worked for me is uh, definitely maintaining muscle mass. So doing the squats and um, back exercises to maintain the large muscles. That definitely helps. It's not the only thing, but that's a good start. Exercise, maintaining fitness will do it as well. Um, I've tried some supplements. So what seems to work for me is uh, the NMN, 
Um, and the, the NMN? The actual, I thought you were going to give me like the Tongali, Fidoja, all these ones. Well, we can talk about that too. The NMN, there's, the, in, in mice, when you raise NED levels in testes uh, and in ovaries, you get more production of sex hormones. So, um, and we, my lab and, and my colleagues have published that we can reverse female infertility using NMN. So there's something going on, right? I've not heard this in the zeitgeist. Like, it, is this an active treatment? Is there a dosage? Are you guys working with fertility clinics? Because as you know, this is, is, is a monster problem for millions upon millions. You're treating this with NMN? We did, we did. We just uh, gave my NMN for a month. Um, uh, and I, it was just in the, in the drinking water and, uh, it, we, we published it in 2020. Uh, my good colleague, Lindsay Wu down in Australia, who's my protege, we found that a very old mice, the equivalent of 65 year old human could, uh, start producing healthy eggs and actually gave birth to healthy young, young or healthy offspring that went on to live normal lives. So that's all published. You can find it online it's in the journal cell reports and uh we've done some early studies in horses and that looks promising too um, and i'm working on getting some human studies started as soon as possible um, i believe from talking to people that there is um, an online community that's been trying nad boosting for fertility uh, but we just don't have the clinical trials done yet that's incredible that's incredible Okay, so you're taking it. I, I'm sorry, I jumped the shark on you. The NMN. But, so I take NMN. Okay. And I take, I've. And doc, you take that in the morning. You said, by the way, I forgot to mention that. I think you said you take that in the morning, right? For sure, because your NAD levels, you want them to decline at night so you can get a good night's sleep. Got the it. The NAD levels controls your uh, sleep-wake cycle as well, what we call the circadian rhythms, and uh, there are genes called clock and BMAL, and they're regulated by sirtuin number one. Long story short, if you take it in the morning, you'll get an energy boost and your clock will be reset to where it should be. It's good for jet lag, I find at least. Um, but yeah, take it late at night. Try it, but what I found is I have not very good sleep. That's uh, my experience and that fits with the science. Um, I have tried Tonkat Ali. Uh, Andrew Huberman gave me some and uh, it, uh, it seemed to help a little bit. So my numbers were hovering around 700 and... Uh, you know, I took it, went up to about 800. So it, it can help, I think, based on personal experience. Yeah, what set me, put me over the edge was um, being, um, I don't know how to put this. No judgment here, Doc. Uh, I have a, a, a partner who uh, I'm attracted to, and that helps as well. Okay, so yeah, okay, I understand. If you're, if, if you're married, uh, you know, spice okay. up your love life. Got if you're it. Sing, single, I don't gotcha. you know, I would say find a partner that can also help. There's time and time again, it's been shown that being excited about the bedroom can help raise your testosterone levels as well. Um, it got to the point where my testosterone levels went so high, I had to back it off. Um, my partner was saying I was uh, a little bit too argumentative. Yeah, it's uh, there are ways to get it high, right? You know, you, you just try and see what works for you. Right. And I think as the last resort, you can you can try testosterone under doctor's supervision. I'm I'm never against you know something that someone wants to try. I would just say make sure you 
monitor yourself and do it under doctor's supervision and try to do it naturally at first if you can. Um, testosterone has been studied for many years and it does not increase um, overall health in old age. It, unfortunately, besides improving uh, muscle, it didn't seem to extend healthy lifespan. Um, on the other hand, it didn't seem to reduce it either. So it's fairly neutral when it comes to longevity. All right, we got to take a quick break for the sponsors. But when we come back, I have more questions for you, Doc. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A couple of things that are starting to emerge, microdosing lithium for brain health. You're the guy. I was like, all right, well, we're going to ask the guy who would know if uh, that that's something to explore. Right. Well, it's very clear that lithium can affect mood and it's it's given to people who have aggression and it seems to work there for longevity um i think that the jury's still out whether it helps with that okay so um, you're not messing with that if you're not messing with that then we shouldn't be messing with that probably right now at all well i don't think the evidence is there just yet um it's pretty interesting though i think it's worth keeping an eye on what it does is it inhibits an enzyme known as GSK3, uh, which makes energy in the body. And it may be one of these adversity memetics and may work that okay. way. I understand. Yeah. I, that yeah. one was uh, the most aggressive one I've heard out there. Um, but I want to, jumping into aggressive, can you talk about the new paper that was just released that has like everybody on fire and the 1% I want to kill you, Sinclair? Well, it was a 13 year long study. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's my life's work basically, uh, but it was based on work that I did in my twenties on yeast cells. And so I was at MIT, part of a, an amazing team that figured out that the sirtuins were involved in aging and yeast, um, you know, simple yeast that's, that's in bread and beer. And then, uh, we also came up with the idea that this epigenome was important. The sirtuins, the, it's an actually, it is an acronym. So sirtuin, the first three letters are silent information regulator. Information is in there. And what that means is that these sirtuin genes control the epigenome among other, you know, another, among other proteins that help along. This 13 year study was to test whether what we found in yeast cells is true for mammalian cells, including humans. And it took a lot longer than yeast cells to prove, uh, or at least to test. In biology, we never prove anything. We have to be clear about that. Um, really? So, right, evolution is a theory, the theory of evolution. So, it's, yeah. uh, okay, I understood. I follow you. Right. I think the second law of thermodynamics is about the only thing that we can be certain about. Equals MC squared is pretty close to being proven. But right. biology, you, I'd, I'd be shot if I went out and said we've proven something. Okay. Okay. 
it's just strange, but I, I understand. All right. Scientific, scientific etiquette. Um, it's, Got it. it's feigned humility, right? So yes. anyway, what we sh showed was evidence that the epigenome is what goes wrong during aging in mammals as well, and that that is a cause of aging. So the title of this paper in Cell, uh, the journal Cell, which you can get online if you want, um, I actually tweeted about it. You can get a free copy if you go get it now. Um, it's The title is Loss of Epigenetic Information as a Cause of Aging in Mammals. And basically what it, it showed was that if we mess with the epigenome uh, by cutting chromosomes and letting them heal and healing without mutations, that that disrupts the epigenome and we got an old mouse as a result and the evidence says that uh, these changes in how cells read their dna because of the epigenetic information is messed up is what makes tissues get old and uh, so the good news is that if it's epigenetic as opposed to genetic it should be reversible because the epigenome is malleable you can change it with how you eat how you live what we did was we used a new technique that we developed in the lab a few years ago where we can reprogram the body to have a more youthful epigenome. It turns out we have a backup copy of the software of youth in every cell. So what, the way we do that is we turn on three embryonic genes, which are called O, S, and K for short. And we do that for about a month. The cells These get younger. like stem cells, Doc? Or, or, no, they're totally different. The stem cells and embryonic genes are not the same thing. Similar. You can, okay. you can use um, four genes called Yamanaka factors to make So cells. you've activated the embryonic cells that everybody still has, no matter what your age. Right. They just switched off. But we turn them back on and they rejuvenate our cells, the cells uh, that we culture or we rejuvenate the mouse. Now, the trick was... Uh, the. The trick is that if you use all four Yamanaka genes, O, S, K, and M, you drive cells back to a, a state that's basically age zero, and those are stem cells, which would be inadvisable. If I did that to you, Jillian, you'd be the world's biggest tumor. Oh, my God. Why? Why? Oh, because there's no direction on what to become. Oh, because the stem cell is nothing. I yes. understand. I got it. I got it. I'm with you. That's okay. it. We don't okay. want ourselves <laughs> Sorry. to do that. Jesus, Doc. Yeah, All right, so I'm we, with you. I'm with we you. We want ourselves to regain their identity, not to lose it. Oh, my God. Right. And the epigenome is what tells them what to become. Got it? I got yes. it. How, okay. How and did you turn them back on, though? Well, we, we, we use a genetic trick. We put the three, not four, but three Yamanaka factors that we found are sufficient to reverse aging, but not sufficient to cause stem cell generation. So this is very important. We left off the M, which is a, called CMIC gene. CMIC, by the way, causes cancer. So it, it was obvious to leave that out. So the OSNK genes we put inside a virus, a domesticated virus that we can use to infect the body. We've put it into mice. We've put it into the eyes of mice and into the brains and the whole body. And then we can turn on these three genes with an antibiotic, doxycycline, or tamoxifen, which is a, a hormone mimic that's used in chemotherapy. So anyway, we can turn on these genes, and after a month, those cells get younger, 
And in the case of the eye, we've found that we can cure blindness in old aged mice and mice with glaucoma. Um, and the striking thing was, even if we damage the back of the eye, the nerves regrow back to the brain, which is uh, hard to achieve. So we've got this rejuvenation method and we took these old mice that we aged rapidly. We made them older by 50%. They were gray, they were wrinkled, they had uh, uh, curved spine, all of the things of aging. And then we right. could reverse aspects of those mice and uh, make them young again. Okay, so here we are, Doc. I, I wanna go and have you turn on my embryonic genes. What is, what is the future of this? Like, when does this become like out of your lab and into the mainstream? Mm -hmm. And what does this actually mean? Is anybody ever going to die at this point? Like if we go with my kid ever going to die? Seriously. Well, uh, kids born today have a 50, 50 chance of reaching a hundred. And that's even without these breakthroughs. Um, I don't think there's a limit right now to human longevity because we've found at least in the animals that you can reset the software of the body reset the epigenome multiple times um, and so that gets really interesting now how soon is that going to be in humans uh well let me tell you we we've been working towards that since 2017. Um, i spun out a company which has raised the money to be able to do this they've now done extensive testing in mice it seems to be very safe uh, they're targeting the eye they want to rejuvenate the eye to to cure blindness Seriously, you're, you you can fix people's eyes? That's it's crazy. So we've been successful with Bruce Cassander here at Harvard of rejuvenating the cells at the back of the eye, the retina and the optic nerve. And that allows mice to see when they're old. And, uh, and so what I would expect is that you would be able to see better at night and you have a lot more resolution. We don't know yet if it fixes the shape of the eye. That's something else uh, but we are so that when is this coming though yeah well we've just we well not we that the the group at life biosciences the company have just treated non-human primates to see if their vision gets better and they're going to release those results in the coming months and if that, that goes well then it's a quick path to humans uh, within the next 18 months to two years we'll dose our first patient with this age reversal therapy Ultimately, I want to be able to treat the whole body, but it's it's safer and quicker uh, in terms of getting approval from the FDA to go for a small part of the body that's enclosed, which is the eye. The conversation we're having is essentially you've created the fountain of youth. Do you think that's what's going to happen? Do you do you, do you think that's inevitable in your work? Do you think that that's what's going to happen, that you can choose when you want to die at some point? Within the next 50 years, the science would be there? Well, I, I think that every human has the right to choose when they die. And that's what I'm working towards. I'm also working towards people not having to worry about getting cancer in their 70s and heart disease in their 80s. I want everybody to be able to be playing tennis when they're 100 or more. That's the goal, stay healthy. And as a result, you'll live longer. Um, I don't know if it's a fountain of youth. It's probably more like an injection. <laughs> Okay, I got it. An injection. Yeah, we are working on making it into a pill. So that is the next stage of the research. I've got a number of people in my lab working on that. But, you know, I have to be humble here, right? People for the last probably 100,000 years have worked on this and 
we might be close. Uh, it seems like we finally have a handle on this process. I know that $4 billion have been invested in this research and, and development since our paper came out in Nature in 2020. So there's a lot of people working on this now. Um, it does seem like it's going to happen. It's just a question of when. Of when. Um, so stick okay. around because it's I'm, coming. I'm, I'm doing my best. Question of the week. What can I do in my 30s prophylactically? That's basically the question is for somebody in their 30s, what are the most effective tools they can employ to slow or slash reverse aging? Wouldn't this be applicable to everyone, by the way, Doc? Or is there something specific to 30-year-olds? 30-year-olds are a sweet spot to start on the, the more uh, serious regimen. When you're in your 20s and before that, I, I think it's, it's not worth doing given the risks that we don't understand what happens in young people. But 30 is when I started, so... But for the things, the lifestyle changes, so the focus on as, as best you can, eating a lot of plants, getting a lot of good exercise, maintaining muscle mass, stretching, getting good sleep, having a friend, having lots of friends, having a partner that you can rely on. These are well-established things that you can have even in your 20s, but even more importantly in your 30s and beyond to get you your best chance of living an extra 15 years. Now. There are more detailed stuff that I outline in my book. In the books. Yeah, you got to get more. Yep. Yeah. That includes some supplements um, and some other hacks like cold and heat therapy. Heat exposure. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. I, okay, guys, there's, by the way, Lifespan is also a podcast. And there is an episode on each and everything from your supplements to the I mean, even you even talk about reversing gray hair. I've watched every single one. So cosmetic procedures, hormone replacement, the supplements, your food regimen, your fitness regimen. Tell me about the second book, Lifespan 2. Yeah, so Lifespan 2 is, is the guidebook of how to live your life and have an understanding of what makes us human. We have evolved over millions of years to be this strange creature that whose hands are built for holding axes, and our reproductive systems are built to you know, multiply. And we've got these four traits there, exploration and tool making and storytelling and our minds can travel in time. This makes us human. The problem is we've built a world that is all about abundance. Our bodies love abundance because that was the problem when we were you know, on the savannas. We didn't have enough food. We didn't want to waste energy. So we love sitting around and eating a lot of stuff. This is the worst thing for longevity. So what we, what the book is about is how to overcome the problems that society brings to us at a physiological and a mental state. I mean, our minds are going crazy too with all of this information and social media. And so it's a prescription for how to survive the world and ensure a super long life for you and your kids. Last question, and this is just, uh, I, I, I've yet to fully understand this. Light as medicine. Yes, no, something you, you, you mess with, real? Yes, no, a trend. Probably real. Uh, I do it. You do? Uh -huh. Are you doing, what are you doing? Well, infrared, uh, red? I'm doing infrared on my scalp and on my face mostly. Um, I try, it's hard when I travel, but I try to wear a cap that has red laser light on my hair. Okay. I'm trying not to lose it or make it turn gray. 
Same, uh, same. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. just vanity, I'll admit. <laughs> same. All right. I'm, I'm fine with that, Doc. I, that, that's important stuff. That's why there's a whole podcast you did on it. And it's a great one, everybody. Listen to it. And I have a, a device that shines um, the right wavelength of red light on my skin. So um, Serena and I, uh, you know, we're both biohackers. And if we're together, we'll sit in front of one of those things at night. And uh, now, now the question is, does it work? Well, yeah, there are, there are good studies showing it does slow hair loss. And the molecular mechanism seems to be that the red light disrupts what's called complex one of the mitochondrion in the same way that metformin does. So think of metformin through light. That's what these things probably are doing. Wow. Okay. So if you're, all right, if you say there's something to it, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little more homework. All right. Doc, I, I, uh, I am so excited to have spoken with you. I'm so grateful for your time. Everybody go to www.davidasinclair.com. It'll be in the show notes. I cannot stress enough, read the book Lifespan so that you'll be ready when Lifespan 2 comes out. And honestly, put the podcasts on. I, I, I put them on in the car. I put them on when I'm on the step mill. I mean, I've already heard them all now, but- for anything that you want to be, you wanted us to expand on, it's all there for you. Anything and everything you can think of that we touched on or didn't touch on, it's all there for you. And it's just mind blowing. Keep, keep saving the world, doc. Just take really good care of yourself so that, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so that just keep, keep doing what you're doing so that uh, my kids can live to 200 and I can make it to 100 playing tennis, as you said. I'm so grateful for your time and everything you're doing. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for all you do as well. Um, I'm following you too. So yeah, let's, uh, in 100 years, we'll celebrate. Done. Um, oh, one, one last thing. I, I get asked, when's season two coming for the podcast? Oh, there's a season two? There, there will be season two, three, four, five. I have been busy getting the research out, right? I am a scientist, number one but I'm uh, getting ready to start recording season two. So it's coming. And I want to thank everybody for their patience. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the show, do us a big favor and subscribe on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, because it just helps us get the show out there, get heard by more people. We'd really appreciate it.